Thanks so much for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. Before we begin with this week's episode, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone for listening to the podcast regularly. We can see the numbers are going up, so maybe you're telling friends about it, maybe people are finding out about it through social media, but we appreciate you listening. And for the new ones who have just recently started listening, I thought it might be nice to talk a minute about the history of the podcast and how it really got started and what motivated it. The podcast started in 2009, which seems like forever ago now. At the time, there really weren't that many podcasts at all, not just in the art world, but just anywhere. Um, And it really started after I finished college. I graduated, and then I went to the Sotheby's Institute of Art in London and took their art business master's program. And while I was there in London, there really wasn't anyone I could talk to about American sports. And so what happened was I started listening to podcasts. Basically, it was a way for me to listen to sports radio in an on-demand capacity. So if I was on the tube, if I was at the gym, um, if I was going anywhere, I could listen on my iPod back then. And I always thought that was really interesting and really great that you could listen on demand to something. Um, But there really wasn't that much content. It was really just recorded radio shows that were available in podcast format for the most part. At the same time, this was, as I said, this was 2007 when I went to London, and I was there in 2008, and we saw the economic recession happen, and the art world at the time, I remember, because I was still learning about the art world and the art markets and really getting into it, so I was reading everything. I was reading the art newspaper, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, a lot of the, a lot of the reporters that we have on to recap auctions or to recap fairs. I mean, I've been reading them and I mean, I imagine some of you as well, for over a decade. And that's really how I got to know the art market well, through reading their content. And I think they're really great writers, and that's why we have them on the podcast so often to recap major events, because they have so much insights and so many sources. And I remember reading the articles sometimes, and you know they'd interview people in the art world, whether it was a gallery owner or an auction specialist. And At that time, I was really in particular interested to hear how people were feeling about the art market, given that the credit crisis was going on and we were starting to see it. And, you know, you would get in these articles one or two sentence quotes from these individuals. I don't want to say anything bad about the articles. They're great. But you just, this is, that's just the format of newspaper articles. You'd get one or two sentence quotes from people. And they would, you know, have a smile on their face and basically say, the art world is so diverse. We have buyers from the U.S., from Europe, from Asia, from the Middle East, from South America, that even though we have these economic, this economic instability, our buyers are so geographically diverse that we'll be fine. And they would try to spin it in a positive way. And I remember thinking... That's great, but they can't really deep down feel that. They have there has to be some concern. And as someone who's trying to learn more about the art world and the art market and how the economy can impact the art market, I wanted to have a conversation with them. You know, ten, fifteen minutes, talk to some of these people and talk about the market, um, understand what was going on, how they're feeling, and at the same time give them a platform to really talk about those things. Because there really wasn't a podcast and they're really today even aren't really that many, but at the time there were no podcasts in the art world or the art market. So I, at the same time, I um, was going to school at Sotheby's and Anders Peterson, who's the founder of Art Tactic, he 
is a teacher there and he was at the time as well. And we always connected well. And I always thought his classes were really interesting. He was using data. He was using a lot of the confidence surveys that Art Tactic has and that they gather by polling people, asking collectors, auction house specialists, dealers, how they feel about um, certain artists and how they feel about the market. He would gather all of that data and make uh, opinions and assessments about the market and where it's going. And so I always really enjoyed and respected what he was doing with data when it comes to the art market because even today the art market is still very opaque and it especially was a decade ago and so we always stayed in touch and after school I moved to New York and after a while the economy was still going south and you'd still have I was still trying to learn more and wanted to talk to these people and I pitched to Anders I said why don't we do a podcast for Art Tactic where I bring on a guest each week, we talk about different topics related to the art world or the art market, and you know we just have a 10 or 15 minute conversation. It's free, anyone can download it, listen, and a great way to get the word out about Art Tactic. So he was completely on board, and since 2009, we've been doing it just about every week. We've expanded over the years to have different kinds of guests from different niches within the art world. So whether it's talking about the art market as it relates to auction results, do a lot of art fair recaps, um, talking to a lot of art world startups. We see so many of those, more and more of those nowadays. Um, yeah, it's really a diverse guest. And um, we try to give you a pulse of what's going on in the art world. And uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of the history about the podcast and how it started. And we've still been going along for nine solid years now. And yeah, so thank you again for listening. And if at any time you ever have any questions or you want to leave comments, you can always leave us a review on iTunes or you can email me, adam at arttactic.com. If you ever have any questions or um, about the podcast or about guests or about the market or anything in general, always happy to talk with listeners. So Thanks so much again for listening, and in this week, we have a really interesting episode with Leanne Kemp, who's founder and CEO of Everledger. They're a blockchain solution uh, startup that has had a lot of success in the diamond industry. You know, blockchain is such a buzzword. Um, I'm always a little bit skeptical when I hear about blockchain and how it can be implemented and if it can be successfully, especially in the art world, because so many... You see so many startups that want to be a blockchain startup, but how many of them will actually survive? How many of them are important? How will they actually get artworks on their platforms? But Leanne's actually had success in a different industry, but she's had proven success with this in the diamond industry. And Everledger is entering the art market as we speak. And so we had a nice chance to chat with her and talk to her about um, how things were going in the diamond industry and what were some of the experiences there that she can bring into the art world so she can have success launching a blockchain ecosystem within the art world. And also, what, what would be the positive benefits for the art world? How would the art world benefit from a healthy and successful blockchain platform? So we touch on a lot of these interesting topics with her. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be following Everledger and seeing how things go over the next year or two as they launch within the art world. Anyways, enjoy the episode. Thanks so much. Leanne, thanks for speaking with us. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. So before we jump into the art world, 
What's the history of Everledger? I know that you've implemented a blockchain technology within the diamond industry. Tell us a little bit about that and the history of the company. Everledger began in the heart of London in 2015, so we're about three and a half years old now. There's not a platform of provenance that exists in the world. We have procurement systems and accounting software and manufacturing systems, but even design systems for products. But we don't have a platform of provenance. There is not a thing that exists that enables us to be able to see supply chain events so that we can track from a source of origin right the way through to the consumer network and then beyond into recycle, reuse and repurpose. So Everledger's mission is to build a platform of provenance to enable transparency for opaque markets. We began with diamonds. We have about 75 people in the company today, and we have five operational centers, Australia, India, Israel, UK, and the USA. We have about 2 million diamonds in the platform. And beginning of this year, we began understanding how we could apply our technology beyond diamonds into emeralds, rubies, and sapphires. And we started flirting and understanding what would be important in the art world. So what kind of services do you plan on actually offering the art world? And based on your successes in the diamond industry, what aspects of your current services do you feel are transferable to the art industry? So the art industry is a completely different industry to the diamond industry. In fact, you know, diamonds are a relatively simple product in its own right. It's either a rough diamond or a polished diamond. And sure, there's different shapes and colors and clarities, but primarily it's uh, a bird of one feather. Whereas, of course, the art world is very large and very diverse and there are different mediums, there are different conditions upon which art is stored. And, of course, there are very different genres of art uh, that exist in the world today. And then there are new types of art coming into the world, whether that be digital, um, street art, uh, even art when it comes to industrial design. So when we talk about bringing blockchain to the art world, that's a pretty big world. (laughs) Where we could add significant value is to try and understand what we've already been successful at in diamonds, and that is the tracing of origin and the uptake of that across events that relate to provenance. And when we think about that in the art world, we have to go one step further. We have to be able to understand where the art is stored, in what condition, and in what secured environment. So condition reporting is a very important part of the art world beyond provenance. And so too is facilities reports. Where are these art pieces being stored, particularly if they're public works in museums? So we think that these are very interesting types of documents that should have a preservation within a registry that can then be stored and shared privately and in some instances transparently Uh, with stakeholders that are bearing risk within the art world. And that, of course, is banks and insurers. They're two very clear indicators uh, of risk. Um, And then there will be other stakeholders like the owners of art, curators of museums, um, curators of, uh, of exhibitions. It seems nearly every industry has been linked to blockchain to some extent, and certainly some industries are using blockchain solutions much more so than others, the art market's usually one of the last industries to embrace technology. Uh, For example, with e-commerce, the art world's really just starting to embrace e-commerce the last couple of years. What will it take for there to be a significant demand for a blockchain solution within the art world? Will it be some kind of big event? What do you think will really prompt 
a blockchain solution to not only exist in the art world, but to be really prolific throughout the industry? Well, I mean, the garment industry still predominantly trades within bosses with chips of paper and a promise to pay and a gentleman's handshake. So it too faces the same challenges. And I'm not sure that the art world is the last industry to embrace technology. You know, we've seen incredible auction houses and in incredible technologies being released into the art world well ahead of the diamond industry. Uh, regardless of which industry will uptake this technology, whether it's art or diamonds, uh, even if it's uh, food and, and textiles, the reality is that no industry will take on any new technology unless it's there to solve a very real problem. And that that very real problem, particularly in a network technology like blockchain, is also shared with multiple participants within that network. Um, and, of course, there has to be a sustainable economic benefit towards the adoption of this technology. Now, that economic benefit can be in the reduction of fraud, in the reduction of risk, in the enablement of more finance, um, or it could be in entirely new business models, which is what we're starting to see in other types of cryptocurrency companies creeping into the art world. We certainly don't subscribe to the cryptocurrency uh, world in fractional ownership or or being able to tokenize uh, tokenize art. That's not necessarily where Everledger it can bring its expertise. Where we can bring our expertise is to be able to provide a digital vault, a secured registry of ownership, a secured registry of provenance, and of scientific certainty of that art piece. Now that combines blockchain. Uh, other forms of scientific methods, whether they be non-destructive methods of identity or even in some form, some destructive methods, so that we can identify that art piece in a registry that's shared and known by many in the art world that rely upon that information to be able to trade, to be able to finance, um, or to be able to perform custodian uh, events within industry. Um, so that's where we think there's significant merit, uh, where we think that there's existing risk that can be reduced, and where we think that there is an appetite for participants in industry to uptake this technology. So what's the plan in terms of how you actually get all of these artworks that exist in the world onto the Everledger blockchain platform? I would think the types of customers that would engage uh, with us would be uh, a large insurance company that might have a portfolio of private clients that would have a number of collections and those collections would uh, have a requirement to disclose its provenance, uh, to disclose certain types of uh, identity markers that are within those pieces to be sure that the original artworks are there uh, as a part of the claim process. And I would imagine that the other forms of identity that would need to be stored, of course, is the facility. So upon which, where is this art stored? And in what condition is it stored today? Has it been stored previously? And even where is it likely to be stored if it's in the process of being transported to another location? When I think about blockchain and how it could positively impact a particular industry, it still seems a little bit abstract. I think many others feel that way as well. But I think you're in a really good position to answer this question, given your experience in the diamond industry and seeing how introducing a blockchain ecosystem can impact that. What would you say are the positive results or would be the positive results of establishing a blockchain ecosystem in the art world like you're describing? Um, would we have a more, a more confident marketplace? Would there be a greater number of transactions? 
less fraud. Um, what do you think would be the positive impact there? Well, diamond is a traded commodity. So, you know, diamonds move across the world and it will jump from country to country um, in a space of days, if not weeks. And, you know, certainly uh, there are a number of existing challenges within the diamond industry that are very well documented, whether that be a $2 billion shortfall in supply chain finance because some of the major banks have pulled out of industry, leaving a deficit, uh, whether that be consumer confidence around the provenance of the diamonds. They want to know and understand the source and the origin of the stone to be sure that it's not from a conflicted zone or a blood diamond per se. Um, you know, we have existing uh, synthetics or man-made diamonds that are, of course, uh, penetrating the supply chain or salting or peppering the supply chain, um, which, uh, of course, is a very real concern for those that are purely interested in the trade of man-made diamonds. Now, these same challenges don't exist and are not paralleled in the art world. So you cannot actually compare the two together as easily. But regardless, the big themes still exist. So risk is a problem. Banks, financiers, insurance companies want to understand the risk of the object. And typically, banks look at the customer, the KYC element, uh, whether it be the entity or the person who owns the art, a type of technology like what we're doing with blockchain and distributed ledgers in a digital vault format gives the ability for banks and insurers to be able to understand the object, know your object. And that, of course, is a different set of data points that enables them to be able to price risk differently. So we could possibly see a ratification over time in the pricing of insurance possibly go down because the risk of the portfolio will go down. And so they would be able to price risk differently. So all of this sounds really interesting. Where is Everledger in the process of rolling out a platform like this in the art world? So we began, uh, we began looking at the art industry probably as early as 2008. At 16, and we were quite quick to understand that the uh, challenges within the art world were very different to the diamond industry, and it would take a little bit of time. And as we sit today, we are working with a number of companies within the art space, and you'll see our work come into fruition, into a live sense uh, in 2019. So we're not far away from letting that secret out. Um, in the meantime, a lot of the technologies that we've put in place uh, have already been proven that are in production, in market, and are holding you know, many, many diamonds globally. So it's proven technology from that perspective. And that's why we know, we hold confidence that the technology is not a challenge. The challenge is to align the interests of the stakeholders within an industry that all share the same problem, that also want to share in the commercial benefits of the technology, but also still preserve their confidentiality. Um, and that's the, that's the balancing act. To get that right uh, often takes time, trust, and to build relationships. And that's what we've been working on over the better part of the last year. Liam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us about the history of Everledger and how you're entering the art world to bring a blockchain solution there. I think blockchain, it's a big buzzword, but I think it is interesting the way that different companies are trying to implement it within the art world, and it'll be very fascinating to see how this all turns out. If our listeners want to learn more about Everledger and the technology you're using and stay up to date on when you're officially entering into the art world, what's the website they can visit? 
www.everledger.io. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Leanne. Thank you. No problems. Have a good day.